Good morning, friends. Today is Friday, the 24th of January, 2020. Our readings this morning are Psalm 31, Genesis 11, 27 through 12, 8, and Hebrews 7, 1 through 17. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to them with psalms. For God is a great God and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are God's also. The sea is God's for God made it and God's hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For God is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to God's voice. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore her. Psalm 31. 
In you, O God, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a, re- be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O God, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in God. I will exalt and rejoice in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversaries and have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O God. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Do not let me be put to shame, O God, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go dumbfounded to Sheol. Let the lying lips be stilled that speak insolently against the righteous with pride and contempt. O how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you and accomplished for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of everyone, in the shelter of your presence, you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under your shelter from contentious tongues. Blessed be God, for God has wondrously shown their steadfast love to me when I was beset as a city under siege. I had said in my alarm, I'm driven far from your sight. But you, heard my ap- but you heard my supplications when I cried out to you for help. Love God, all you his saints. God, perver- God, God preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Genesis chapter 11 verses 27 through chapter 12 verse 8. Now these are the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. 
Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in all in, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as God had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Sechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then God appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to God, who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar and there he built an altar to God and invoked the name of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle I, the Song of Jonah. I called to you, O God, out of my distress, and you answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I ever look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep was round about me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land beneath the earth. Yet you brought up my life from the depths, O God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O God. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay, for deliverance belongs to God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. A reading from Hebrews. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. 
This King Melchizedek of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he was returning from defeating the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned, apportioned one-tenth of everything. His name in the first place means King of Righteousness. Next, he is also King of Salem, that is, King of Peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. See how great he is? Even Abraham the patriarch gave him a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to collect tithes from the people, to collect tithes from the people, that is, from their kindred, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not belong to their ancestry, collected tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had received the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by those who are mortal, in the other, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now if, now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for the people received the law under this priesthood, what further need would there have been to speak of another priest arising according to the order of Melchizedek, rather than one according to the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Now the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our God was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. It is even more obvious when another priest arises, resembling Melchizedek, one who has become a priest, not through a legal requirement concerning physical descent, but through the power of an indestructible life. For it is attested of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended to the dead, on the third day rose again, and who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Creator, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your queendom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial 
and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We will use today, in place of suffrages, Prayers for Healing found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. We'll pray the Litany for Healing that begins on page 30. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. And it is certainly more than okay to pray for ourselves. I do know some folks who pray for everyone else, but do not out of for a variety of reasons, lift up their own names. So let's, let's lift up our names now. I pray for Jacob, God, that your will and your will alone be done in my life and that you cast far from me the evil and the snares of the enemy, that you clear the path just as Jesus cleared the path and guide each footstep. I pray also for my son, Jack, God, that he be surrounded by your love and protection and that he continues to grow in your way. I pray, O oh God, for all people of the earth who are suffering. There is so much suffering in the world. I pray for those affected, both human and other members of your creation, by the devastating wildfires in Australia, by the earthquakes in Puerto Rico, by the devastation wrought by the abuse that we have heaped upon the earth. I pray for those affected by human strife. I pray for miraculous reconciliation and redemption and restoration that the blessing that you intend for us would be returned, that all that the enemy has snatched be redeemed sevenfold, a millionfold. We hold fast to your promises, God. We deny the accusations of the enemy. We refuse to accept the names that the enemy calls us, the ugly things that the enemy says about us, even when they are through other people, even when they are through, even when these ugly words of the enemy are spoken through people that are supposed to care for us, that we are supposed to be able to trust. We reject anything that's not of you, God, and we hold fast to your promises and your declarations you call us beloved and wonderful. 
created in your image. Holy, blessed, worth dying for. Gifted, blessed beyond measure. You desire to prosper us, O God. To heal us, not to harm us. And your convictions, Lord, are not like earthly convictions, not condemning, not born of despair and hopelessness, but your convictions are assurances, epiphanies, insight into your will and they are gentle and they lead us toward hope and toward you and toward love so we accept what you have to say oh god we accept the names that you give us we accept the blessings and the promises that you have for us and we reject anything that is not of you, O God. Let us now offer our prayers for God's healing. Instead of the usual response for this, I am going to say, show us your love. So that'll be the response after each line. Holy God, source of health and salvation, show us your love. Holy and mighty, wellspring of abundant life, show us your love. Holy immortal one, protector of the faithful, show us your love. Holy Trinity, the source of all wholeness, show us your love. Blessed Jesus, your holy name is medicine for healing and a promise of eternal life. Show us your love. Jesus, descendant of David, you healed all who came to you in faith. Show us your love. Jesus, child of Mary, you embrace the world with your love. Show us your love. Jesus, divine physician, you sent your disciples to preach the gospel and heal in your name. Show us your love. Jesus, our true mother, you feed us the milk of your compassion. Show us your love. Jesus, son of God, you take away our sin and make us whole. Show us your love. Jesus, eternal Christ, your promised spirit renews our hearts and minds. Show us your love. Grant your grace to heal those who are sick. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Give courage and faith to all who are disabled through injury or illness. We pray to you, O God. <coughs> Excuse me. Show us your love. Comfort, relieve, and heal all sick children. We pray to you, O God, show us your love. 
Give courage to all who await surgery. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Support and encourage those who live with chronic illness. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Strengthen those who endure continual pain and give them hope. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Grant the refreshment of peaceful sleep to all who suffer. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Befriend all who are anxious, lonely, despondent, or afraid. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Restore those with mental illness to clarity of mind and hopefulness of heart. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Give rest to the weary and hold the dying in your loving arms. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Help us to prepare for death with confident expectation and hope of Easter joy. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Give your wisdom and compassion to healthcare workers, that they may minister to the sick and dying with knowledge, skill, and kindness. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Uphold those who keep watch with the sick. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Guide those who search for the causes and cures of sickness and disease. We pray to you, O God. Show us your love. Jesus, Lamb of God, show us your love. Jesus, bearer of our sins, show us your love. Jesus, Redeemer of the world, show us your love. Compassionate God, you so loved the world that you sent us Jesus to bear our infirmities and afflictions. Through acts of healing, Jesus revealed you as the true source of health and salvation. For the sake of your Christ who suffered and died for us, conquered death, and now reigns with you in glory, hear the cry of your people. Have mercy on us, make us whole, and bring us at last into the fullness of your eternal life. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.
Psalm 31 um, today is along the same themes as the Psalms that we've been reading. These are major themes in the Psalms and expands on it. We hear again the psalmist, and this one's attributed to David, asking to be delivered not in his righteousness, but in God's righteousness. So calling it out um, a little bit more overtly here, right? Because the subtext is that we are not righteous in ourselves, but made righteous in God. And here it's just going directly to God's righteousness. Don't rescue me. The psalmist isn't saying rescue me because of anything that I have done, but in your righteousness, O God, deliver me. So directly calling upon God's righteousness. And the psalmist asks, asks again for God to be a rock of refuge, a strong fortress. And let's skip ahead to verse 19. and 20 where the psalmist has moved from um, his declarations of well let's my commentary calls them complaints. Let's just go with that. The psalmist complaints, you know, the detailing of the psalmist's woes intermixed with faith in God's promise to rescue, right? And I think that, I think this is why it's so helpful to go to the psalms when we are in times of, of trouble and grief ourselves. We go and we cry out just like the psalmist do. So the psalmist has, has cried out. He's in very um, clear language described his afflictions and the assaults of his enemies and he's affirmed his faith in God and now he transitions to thankfulness and we see here that the refuge of the psalmist asked for in verse 2 the psalmist is now giving thanks for that being answered and the way my commentary puts it is the quest for a safe house in verse two has been answered by God's granting admission to the temple. I think that we really need to stick a pin in that and hold on to it because, well, we're not going to stick a pin in it and like come back to it. So I guess I shouldn't have said it that way, but we really need to hold on to this because it is really tempting to feel like if we are not seeing prosperity in the way that we think of it here on earth, you know, like having lots of money and power and a big house and fancy cars and bullshit like that, that, that God is not keeping God's promises, that we are not the blessed, but it's about so much more than that. The refuge the psalmist is talking about here is a refuge for his soul and the safe house, the sacred space, the refuge, the rock is the temple, is the church. And we're not going to go too far into it this morning, but the church is the sanctuary in which we worship, yes, but it is also, we are the church. So through the blessing and the transformation and sacrifice of Christ, we become 
the sacred spaces, the safe houses. And this is so contrary to everything that we talk about in our culture, because we are, we are a culture that fuels on self-hatred. We are never enough. We're never beautiful enough. We're never smarter enough. We're constantly abasing ourselves and others. And there are industries that make tons of money on self-improvement and elective surgeries and beautification programs and products and all of this stuff. We are, I believe we are not in a culture right now where our own selves are safe spaces, our refuges. And I mean that as our holistic person. So spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will, right? And we need to reclaim that because God is our refuge. Our refuge is God's sacred space. Through Jesus, we have become God's church and sacred space. Ergo, we are holy and sacred, and we need to start being a safe refuge for ourselves. And this, because God is in us, we have the Holy Spirit in us, And that makes us sacred. Jesus tore away every obstacle between us and God and came to dwell within us. We have the divine presence within our beings. That's so huge. And I think that this is tied too to the the practice of of self-compassion, which just kind of goes to my one of my overarching points that you guys have heard me talk about a lot before that a lot of practices called by other names are related to the scriptures. And just because something is called by a different name, we'll take here self-compassion does not mean and isn't directly derived from our human structure of the church organization on earth does not mean that it doesn't have truth or holiness in it. And we must, and there are other things that are derived from our historical church that are that are not holy that are wounding and drive people far away from God and this is one of the many reasons that it's so important to lift all of our practices up and and discern them and we have within ourselves because we we have the holy spirit within us because we are divine because we are intrinsically connected to the divine through Christ We have that ability to discern what is holy and good and from God and what is not, no matter what kind of wrapping it comes in, because it goes both ways. It can be holy and come tattered and in rags and smelling bad, and it can come overly perfumed and beautifully adorned and be not from God. And so we have to like strip all of that away. And see if it, if the divine within us recognizes 
that which is from God. And it, it's within us, and there's a lot of unlearning that has to do for us to be able to recognize that. But we can, with God's help, because it, God has promised to give us wisdom. And so we ask, God, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us the ability to tell what's from you and what's from not. And what's not from you, pardon me. And so this really resonates with me. So we need to stop calling ourselves ugly names. We need to stop motivating ourselves with self-criticism. We need to start loving ourselves with God's love. And that doesn't mean, and please go listen to some Christian Neff if you want a more scientific and less spiritual take on this, but that doesn't mean licentiousness. Because when we are in God and in God's holiness, we're really attuned. Our spiritual radar is up and we, we will catch ourselves in our present, past and future when we are veering away from God and we will, with hope and love and compassion, turn, return, repent and return to God and get back on track without wallowing in that pit. But it happens in a very different way than we've been brought up in this culture with things like tough love, which is bullshit. Those ways that we've been taught to react to ourselves and motivate ourselves and our children and our coworkers and our friends and you know all of that stuff. It, there's a there's just a lot of crap in it. And first and foremost, I think we're given a real insight here that we need to find refuge in God. And as we've just talked about, we have in our beings the divine because the Holy Spirit was given to us by Jesus Christ. We have a direct connection. There is no separation between us and God. And when we can come to rest in that and be safe and becoming holy in our own selves with God together, then a lot of the rest of it becomes much, much easier. And I've talked really on and on about that and also need to get going to work. So I'm going to leave that there, but I think that's super important. Um, I guess what I want to say about the Old Testament is pretty much just that we start talking about the lineage of Abraham. And I think there's something a little interesting here that Abraham and company set out for Canaan but instead of going all the way to Canaan, they settled in Haran. And God, instead of like bringing wrath and smite, just said, hey, you're supposed to be in Canaan. This is what I have for you. And Abraham just goes, okay, and gets up and follows. So this to me is like an example of that redirection from God in a way that's loving and affirming that we were talking about earlier. So let's be attuned for those redirections from God. And... Abraham commemorates God appearing to him by building an altar. And so we've talked about this before. I think those times when 
we just have that clear epiphany. <laughs> it's the season for that, right? From God, we, we commemorate that in some way so that it becomes a touch point for us to hearken back to. So we're on this path, you know, we get this to this milestone from God. We build a cairn of rocks to it, it to commemorate it. If we then get lost and astray, we can come back to that point, figuratively speaking, reground ourselves, regroup, and revector. And I think that's that's so important for us. So I mean, we're having all kinds of insights during this season of Epiphany. So let's be commemorating those. Let's be writing them on our hearts, so to speak. However, it is that you do that. So that in those times when we feel besieged and in the fog of war and in chaos, we can hearken back and touch that and remember God's promises and remember the direction that we were headed and keep going, keep moving towards God and for God. And then when Abraham gets to where he's going, and there's really no final home for us here on earth. We've talked about that before too, but when he gets to the place where he's going to dwell, where he's going to live, he puts up his tent, his dwelling place, and he puts up the altar to God, God's dwelling place. Now, we just finished talking about how God dwells with and in us and in our sacred spaces and that all of this is important. You know, I even feel at this point like my car is kind of a sacred space because I do so much praying in my car. Um, and I think that the designation of a space of sacred and holy kind of helps us tap into that sacredness and divine. And, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's, that's part of the, it's kind of like, a way of describing it to ourselves that we can kind of get a hold of. And it creates the intentionality of entering into relationship with God because we've set aside this place for that. And I think that that's something that, that we need to do. I mean, our churches are important for community and not only with God, but with each other and designating those sacred spaces and setting time and space separate and apart as holy is really necessary, I think. All right, let's talk quickly about Hebrews and then we better wrap it up because I don't want to be late to work. Sorry, guys. So in Hebrews, we talk again about genealogy and I kind of love this because we talked about Abraham's family line, right? In our reading from Genesis. And now we talk about King Melchizedek and I'm, you know, curious character, right? But what I'm going to kind of sum up quickly here is he was adopted as an heir to Abraham and this echoes forward how we're adopted as heirs to Christ, that we are adopted into something greater than our human lineage, just as Melchizedek, we are adopted into Christ. And it goes further on to see that um, the Levitical priesthood is overcome. And I want to I take special note of verse 11 here which says, now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood for the people received the law, et cetera, et cetera, what need would we have? Um, perfection here, according to my commentary, refers specifically to the complete and decisive cleansing of the conscience of the worshiper and the fitting of him or her to enter into the full and real presence of God. And absolutely, 
this is transcended by Jesus because perfection or absolute cleansing and readiness to come into the presence of God is no longer granted through the Levitical priesthood. It is granted through Jesus Christ to each and every one of us, again, removing anything that, that would stand um, or be a barrier to direct connection to God. So anything between us and God, it's gone. We have that direct connection. We are cleansed through confession and repentance and forgiveness. And that all comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has made that happen for us. We are all now given direct access to God. And we no longer, priesthood is no longer um, inherited through this human genealogy, right? Because it was, priesthood was passed down to biological descendants, much in the same way that rulership is passed down from, to biological descendants. So that's not the line that we use anymore. We use the spiritual inheritance through Jesus Christ. And that is how we obtain access to God and our priests and pastors and um, I guess I want to say representatives of God's church guides is maybe the better way to say that. I don't know. They do not have to go through, they don't have to be um, born into a specific genealogy, right? So this is, this is all about direct access and what, and what Jesus is bringing to us. And I, I think that we, we sometimes fail to comprehend how huge that is. What an incredibly big deal it is that we have, we each and every one of us have direct access to God. We each and every one of us are becoming holy. I could probably wax on about that forever, but Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you, and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, he will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.